Hello all and welcome to the Verdict Podcast. We have a very, very special guest for you today and our co-host Ed Dempsey is here in full force. I Hello. am Linus Leo Lampy, the Triple L, and here we go. Before we start, I just want to plug a few things for the Law Society. Um, they are looking for budding debaters. So the Law Society is starting a debating club and we are hoping to get as many people as possible joining that. Um, we have today a very special guest who's going to introduce him now, himself now. He is a very big health advocate, as you can see by the cigarette in his mouth. Nick Clark, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Hello, hello, hello. I, I'm, I haven't done many of these, so I don't, I, I'm not an expert yet. But uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to be heard by you wonderful young students of the Exeter University. And hopefully this will be a fascinating and interesting conversation between the three of us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think I think it is going to be. So, Nick, do you want to uh, tell us a bit about yourself? Just start from like the beginning. Where Where are you from? Where Where were you born? I was born in Maidenhead, but I don't remember any of it. I didn't live there. Um, it, I was born in 1975 to give you some contextual idea of where I sit on the timeline of culture. Um, 70s, I was a baby, so I don't really have any memory of that. In the 80s, I lived in a village called Martin near Salisbury and my we lived in an old thatched cottage and I went to a school called Sandal Manor in Fordingbridge which was like the X-Men Academy. What was also? Well it was just it was just a classic beautiful private school with wonderful people, wonderful teaching, boarding from the age of very young. I boarded from about 11, 12 I think and I had some of the most wonderful times and best friends one could ever dream to have of. Um, sorry for the poor English there. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was, a, looking back especially, they were really halcyon days of innocent perfection. Oh, right. Then, what, what, what did you, sorry to interject, what, what did you think about boarding? Because your, your opinions on boarding are, are quite unusual in a way because loads of people who are boarded at a young age tend to like you know end up loathing their parents for it what, what were your opinions of boarding at a young age looking back when um the oratory was when i really got into the boarding and that's where boys were bigger there was far more boisterousness there was far more bullying there's 500 or so blokes living in a small confined environment together in a school for like half a decade Right. And look, now it's since I became, since I got my condition, I don't know how I survived looking back. Right. But I did. And when we're young, we're much more resilient, much braver, much more strong. And, and, it's, and it's actually a wonderful social scene if you can make it work for you. Um, the first three years of the oratory, were, there was quite a lot of bullying. It was quite hard. And yes, there were times where I'd be weeping to my parents on the phone as a 14, 15 year old boy. Saying, I don't ever want to come back to this school again. Right. But I was, I had no choice. I, my parents insisted I go. I do not resent them for it at all. If I'd gone to a state school, I probably would have flunked my A levels because everyone, uh, there were a lot of people who left the oratory in my year after the GCSEs. Mm. And all of the ones who left, all, including the bright ones that went to the local Henley College. They all flunked their A-levels. Yeah, similar, similar in my year as well. It was very right. similar. 
Do you know why I think that is? Why? It's not because they're all stupid. It's just that they go from one extreme to another. And, and I, I didn't flunk my A-levels because I was forced into that streaming of education. But what I did do badly, and I, I scraped to pass in the end, but I should have been up for much more, was the course I did afterwards, my film college course, the first two years of a BTEC. And because I was out of the loop, I, at the age of 19, I had freedom for the first time, whereas all the guys who left the oratory felt the freedom of uh, like a state college, a comprehensive education at the age of 16, 17 for their A-levels. And if, if you've been in one of those tight, almost military boarding schools where discipline and rigour is every day in your face. And, and routine. You're, and routine. And you're suddenly thrown out into the world of adults doing whatever they like. It is a party. It is amazing. The, the, the freedom is so fresh and new. But... A lot of people aren't used to that freedom and then, and then cock up, which is exactly what I did, but slightly after my A-levels rather than after my GCSEs. Do you yeah, think you it maybe does. didn't get an adequate sort of, um, you weren't adequately taught how to deal with being in an outside sort of environment then, or was it more just going wild for the sake of it? I've always loved the notion of freedom. Okay, and I suppose when you're locked up in a boarding school, you 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 have bigger ideas of what freedom is. Um, what what I do notice about my boarding is that I I still happily sleep at night in a dark room on my own in bed. Mm. Right, I, I think that you, I think there's a lot of benefits to a boarding school education which aren't on the surface what you go there to get. No, I agree with you there. You know you. you you can't put a price on on the boarding school culture. I think that, um, you know, something I would say to people is, you know, do you send your kids to a private boarding school to get high academic achievement or to come out a gentleman or both? You know, and I think that, that for me personally, you know, I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't consider myself an academic achiever in any light. I, I did, you know, pretty just above average. But I feel in, in, you know, in other social situations and in other activities, I, I excelled so much. And most of that was down to, you know, being at a private school. Hence, as you pointed out earlier, I'm wearing the Windhover tie for public speaking. But I definitely think that the private school, the, the value for money is with the external um, benefits you reap from it, not the academic ones. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I, I used to make a cynical joke when I got a bit older that, that boarding school is a bit like the Taliban in that it's very religious, we've got guns, and there's a lot of drugs. <laughs> right? The only difference is that they've got <laughs> pillars. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. And, I mean, people, people talk about, um, you know, drugs being rampant in poor areas of society. And actually, it... it you know, it's few and far between because, you know, I, I'm not going to say there's an oratory or at any of the private schools I've, I've, I've been to, but I know for a, a fact that drugs are more rampant in private schools than they are in state schools because the more money there is, the more money people have to spend on substances. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Going, going off, um, off uh, the theme of drugs, um, do you want to explain to us a, a bit about your condition and, and how you came to have it? 
Well, um, I will go off the theme on drugs, but I have to revert to it initially to tell you how I came about this condition because it was due to drugs. Mm. I, I, I am actually, I, I was, I was caught some for about a year in loosely the rave scene. If you remember the 90s, um, you guys are a bit younger, so I don't know how aware you are of the media you've watched as to how big the rave scene was. Uh, train spotting. Uh, train spotting. I, I agree with my friend Dom, who said of train spotting, it's a desperately unpleasant film about desperately unpleasant people in desperately unpleasant unpleasant places. Right? <laughs> I kind of agree with him because I'm like, it's not a happy joy joy film. I much prefer my. I like action, comedy, romance, good stuff, entertaining, mm-hmm. exhilarating, thrilling, positive. Like one of the best films I've ever seen at the cinema in the last ten years is, funnily enough, X Men Apocalypse. <laughs> right? It's I was so not, I was, it's one of these films, rooms of films that I thought you'd say, and that was well at the yeah. bottom. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. It's, it, it, it's so well made. It's so and it's so exhilarating. If you can you have the suspension of disbelief and get involved in the characters and the story, it is a ripping yarn of cinematic beauty. Yeah. It really is. I think so. And I, I mean, I, I like to think I know what I'm talking about with some regard to cinema because I spent five years of higher education in it. Yeah. Um, but going it, back, going back to the to the rave scene, you were you're explaining your condition. What? Paint a picture well, for us of what the rave scene was like. In, you know, in the I I was I was never a hardcore raver. I like to toke a lot because it helped with my creative thinking and my my philosophy and my belief system with regard for the to the viewers. By Toki means uh, marijuana, am I right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but at this time in 1995, I was dabbling with, a, with an assortment of chemical things and other things. And I had, 1995 was by a country mile, the worst year of my life. Okay. okay. I, 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 how I got out of it is just by the, uh, literally a miracle of God. All right. I was living like a wayward sinner. Let's make no bones about it. We went to a religious school. I was li- I was a consummate sinner for that year. Okay, I was taking acids, speed, drink, lager, um, wine, vodka, uh, weed every day. I mean, I, and because I had some money in the bank from when I got beaten up at school by a guy at school, a, a local comprehensive a thug attacked me one day when I was protecting my friend from a racist abuse and he broke my arm in a fight it was a bit embarrassing because he was actually a bit younger than me but he was a thug right and and, um and so I got about seven thousand eight thousand pounds from the government in compensation at the age of 18 19 and that allowed me to not only buy some video equipment for my course but also to supply myself with enough drink, drugs, whatever I was going on, in a, in my student house, which was a seven-bedroom student house in Bournemouth, and I had some of my best friends living with me and my girlfriend at the time. So and I had a car, I had freedom, I had money, I had everything. So on the surface, you'd think that Nick Clark, he's got it all, right? Worst year of my life for all sorts of reasons, all psychological all to do with terrible chemicals, the worst by far being LSD if it goes wrong. 
And the last LSD trip I took, I've had a number of bad trips on LSD, okay? I haven't touched it for 25 years, but it still every day lingers with me as, as what it can do. And the last LSD trip I took in 1995 was so bad, I can only define it as hell itself, okay? Is it of want of a description? I spent 10 hours sitting in a chair with one of my best friends on a beautiful summer's day in hell. I have never known any such powerful terror and agony in my mind. I don't even know if it was LSD. It might have been some poison they tried to kill me with or something. You don't know what you're getting when you buy these things from these people. But it was awful. It, and, and that was after a heavy year of use of things, which were I was having a difficult year anyway. So it was like the full stop on the end of the hell trip year. And afterwards, I soon started hearing voices. I remember the first time I heard a voice, I went into um, Thresher's Wine Shop in Winton High Street, and, I, and there was an Asian teller, and I go up to buy a bottle of vodka, and I hear a, a female American voice say, 10-4, he's on drugs. I, I'm, I look around, I'm like, I go up to the Asian guy, the poor Asian guy didn't know what was going on, and I, I said, do you, is this, is this place rigged by the government, right? Because a lot of schizophrenics think they're being rigged or surveilled or they've got surveillance after them or something because that's what you're experiencing. So yeah. is schizophrenia what you have then? Is that what yeah, you're diagnosed with? Yeah, that's what I'm diagnosed with. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a mental illness per se because I'm not, I, I'm not in pain at the moment. I'm not, I'm not mentally retarded. Sorry, I know that's a terrible word to use these days. But I'm not. I'm not simple backwards. I'm. I'm quite an intelligent chap. But my senses. I think the dr- what drugs do is, ex- is ostensibly enhance the senses. So this is why you know if you even just have a mere spliff, the music sounds great. The food tastes great. Love feels wonderful, right? If mm. you believe in God, God feels closer. The senses are illuminated for once of a word, somewhat. Under acid, it's like mega parsecs beyond. And it can go good. It can go, it can go in a good way where you're just laughing your tits off in a field for eight hours with your best mates and weird stuff that you can't explain happens. Or it can go terribly, terribly badly. And that t- paranoia, if you know what paranoia is on like a sp- smoke, yeah? Have you ever had that whitey or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, right. I'm aware of, of what it is, yeah. Okay, well, um, being on acid, if it goes wrong, is like that times a million. Okay. okay. Really terrifying, really painful, really awful, and is the cause of a lot of people going to mental homes. So mm-hmm. while I am very liberal on cannabis use for those it benefits, I am not... A, a legalized all drugs kind of guy to a person at all, just because I think they're too dangerous, they're too powerful, and you can end up very quickly in screwed up situations which you didn't, you would never plan for yourself. Yeah. Well, this is this is uh, yeah, it's something that drugs seems to be uh, nowadays a, a topic of extreme interest to you know both users and non-users um at the same time being a being a, a topic of, of taboo if you agree with me there ed um but yeah but i think that when you talk about drugs many people seem to 
talk about the positive side of drugs that I'm I'm having fun or oh, I'm getting messed up in this club I'm doing this this and that everyone loves it everyone's enjoying it and films around the world you know like the Wolf of Wall Street etc you know Pablo Escobar Narcos they seem to glorify drugs in some kind of way both the supply and the taking of it but as someone that has experienced, you know, the negative byproduct of, of drugs, Nick, what, what do you have to say about all that? All right. Well, I hope I hope I just I hope I don't offend anyone or annoy anyone. But I think uh, hard drugs are really bad problem. And I, I say I am an addict myself, right? Not to hard drugs, but I'm an addict to lager and cigarettes and to some extent marijuana. I, ideally, I would have never had that first joint at the age of 15, which made me feel like a superhuman god and that all was well with the world and I could save humanity. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I still do feel that way, by the way, when I'm high, but it's a, right. I've realised it's a personal notion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what, what I would say, let, let me just illustrate to you the evils of man. Okay. Um... Cocaine, for instance, has been known, and I know someone in by loosely in the anti-drugs unit. Um, and the, the cocaine is cocaine is a, like a higher level of severity, if, if you ask me. It's very expensive. It's very powerful, and you know you've got to be rich to be able to do cocaine. Basically, I was making a joke to someone saying a, a true junkie is the richest poor pe- poor person you will ever meet. They hardly have any money, but they've often got money for drugs, mm. and they're expensive things, especially cocaine. Now, cocaine, as well as it's it makes yes, you can have a wonderful time. You can feel superhuman, and you might get laid, and people will think that's wonderful because we live in godless times where they think getting their end away on narcotics is the pinnacle of human achievement, right? But it's not. In the Bible, in the prophecies, there are eight hellfire sins. Okay, and this this is where I didn't want to go too heavy, but I'm gonna. Because it's important. And I do believe on the whole, at the end of the day, in the goodness of man and the the salvation of man. But there are eight hellfire sins in the prophecies, which is yet to occur, apparently, if you believe in this, over over the future of mankind. And one of them is translated as witchcraft or sorcery. But if you look at the original Greek or Latin, it's actually the word for drugs. Oh, right. Right. And cocaine is is very immoral drug, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I have had sex. okay, (laughs) But it's not my raison d'etre. It's not my primary focus in life because I I do have a strong moral focus to me, especially these days after my wayward year where I was just off the rails. I had to take charge of me to survive. Otherwise, I'd be end up dead or killed or in deep trouble or in prison. I, I was just living like an idiot. Have you ever been to prison, Nick? Were you ever um, close? I've, uh, yes, I have been close on a couple of occasions, but I've never actually been to prison. I've been sectioned once when I was very psychotic. Okay. Um, what age were you then when you got sectioned? I was in my 30s. And okay. I, I, a, a, part of the, a part of the reason I was sectioned uh, this is going to get a bit 18 rated now. That's okay. Okay, yeah. but um, I, I went to the pub. I, 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 I might have ingested a weaponized 
airborne narcotic. Okay, that's what, okay. right. Because I hadn't taken anything stronger than I normally do for ages, apart from red wine. But and red wine can exacerbate my psychosis. It's got a, it's got a, a chemical in it which I, I know, I, so I no longer touch it. Right, but it's got a very potent chemical in it which reacts to my mind. I can even hallucinate on red wine. Right. Yeah. Wow. So um, and, and so I, I had a lot of red wine. My parents were away. I was living at their house at the time. And I went up to the pub and I had this terrible experience. Um, and all these voices were telling me things more than normal. And basically, to, to illustrate the sheer scope of horror that I found myself facing, I was convinced, this was around the time of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and that jazz, I was convinced that dog food available at the local shop was the meat of our enemies in war. Okay. Okay. And all these voices were telling me that that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. And I was freaking out about this. And I even had an Apache helicopter face me down in my father's paddock. Okay. Now, when I tell people this, they think, oh, you're hallucinating. No, you don't hallucinate things like that. If you hallucinate, a hallucination is a distortion of your visual field where your, your memory kind of plays a trick. Sorry, not your memory. Your consciousness kind of plays a trick and morphs it. Okay, but then it soon clicks back into reality, and you can realize, oh, that was an hallucination. A real life Apache war helicopter looking down on me over my father's paddock was not an hallucination. I don't know what it was doing, I don't know if they're connected, but I was quite concerned. And then when my CPN came to look up, my auntie came to look after me, she found me drunk in my father's paddock, having just faced down an Apache helicopter had a cow on the road talk to me saying, how would you like it with regard to eating steak? Being freaked out by the rustle of the trees, thinking there were invisible army ninjas in the trees. And I was standing there with my golden pole, which is just a mop handle, which I'd sprayed gold, telling my auntie that dog food is actually the, the flesh of our victims in war. That's why I was soon taken away by, 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 by a mental health professional in a car playing Wagner, Hitler's favourite music, which didn't ease the pain at all. Right at the Valkyries. <laughs> it was. That's what we were. Yeah. That's what we were listening to. Yeah. And, and I say it's safe to surf this beach. It's safe to surf this beach. I love the smell of weed in the morning, Captain. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I, I didn't. I, I've, I still don't notice this. That a part of me still thinks, is dog food really that? Right. Mm. But it was horrible, yeah. mate. And, and, and to, to go back further to, to what I've survived since 1995, I, being schizophrenic, when I started hearing voices, the 95% of what I would hear were death threats towards me or my family, right? How many have you heard? You, you gave me over, a number one. Yeah, over 350,000 death threats from auditory hallucinations because of drugs. Mm. It's, it's not big. It's not clever. It can be fun. And, and the point I would like to illustrate with regard to the wickedness of some of the people in the drugs trade is that they, some of the hardcore ones will feel no qualms smuggling their drugs in the bodies of children, dead children. Now, I don't know where you, what others think on that, but for me, that is about the summit of devilry, evil. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah do you know Frank Lucas? Yeah, you, you know uh, no, Frank Lucas. Um, 
Nick? Well, you'd have to remember. I do not know the name initially, but... Ed, Frank Lucas? No, it escapes my mind. So Frank Lucas um, uh, had was the distributor of, uh, of Heron, which in, in, in America, which he uh, labelled Blue Magic. Uh, the depiction of him in American Gangster, portrayed by Danzel Washington, is fabulous. Um, oh, it's was, him. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I know that film very well. It's good. There were there were many um, theories about um, how and how he got his drugs from Vietnam, um, the conflict in Vietnam, to the US. And one of them was that he was basically smuggling them in dead veterans' bodies um, through the, the funeral service. Um, so that's the, the 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 knowledge I have on dead body drug smuggling, and I think it's absolutely disgraceful. Um, but but Ed, what do you think about what Nick's just said about the dead children? Uh, uh, yeah, again, I don't think there really are, is any upside to the drugs trade. I think I, when you take it as a medicinal sort of um, thing that can help people, then, yeah, it's a laboratory factor sort of thing. It's regulated heavily. But when you talk about sort of like every day-to-day people being supplied with heroin, cocaine, as you said, through all these nefarious means, it just gets worse and worse. Like every episode of Border Patrol, there's just people coming up with new ways of getting drugs into a painting or into toys that can't be detected by sniffer dogs or whatever. It's just people trying to do worse and worse things to give but, people yeah, the worse Australians, worse drugs. The Australians mm. don't let anything through in border control, eh? No, they're really straight. They're really, I, I think it's fair uh, enough. I'm yeah. sorry, sir, but this uh, bag clearly contains cocaine. I'm afraid you're going to have to leave the country and never come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, I was just wondering, Nick... Um, when, when did you first sort of seek help or as in when did help first find you after that first sort of like 1995 when everything really went to hell? Uh, it pretty much that I, I just phoned up my mum one day and said, mum, I think I need to see a psychiatrist. I'm not coping with this at all. I'm, I'm in so much pain and suffering and agony. And my parents are saints. My parents are saints for what they've had to put up with. So um, I, I would like to thank them immediately for their love and their care and everything they've done for me. They, my parents do not do drugs. They do not watch porn. They do not do crime. They are not corrupt. They are good, decent, solid, successful people. But there's two things I'd like to raise on this. The, the drugs trade, that film American Gangster, did you notice how they juxtaposed the character of Denzel Washington's very black, he's a very respectable man though, isn't he? Mm. Throughout the film, we were on the side of Denzel Washington. Of course, of course. Yeah, of course. Because the cop, played by Russell Crowe, is a, is a nasty thug who beats his wife. Yeah. Does it, or it gets rough with her at one point or something. Uh, I think, yeah, well, yeah, they're going through a divorce and, yeah. Yeah. Stuff so, said, yeah. So it's that character juxtaposition, which is also in itself quite dodgy because we're siding with the hardcore criminal and not the nasty cop, right? I, now, I, I'm not particularly pro... I, in, my, in an ideal world, we wouldn't have cops and drug dealers, really. So mm. I don't know where I stand. I'm an ex-drug user. I can't, I don't, I, I, I've been in trouble with the law briefly for a few things. I've spent three nights in cells on three separate occasions for three separate incidents. Can you talk about those incidents at all? Or? One was just drunk and disorderly when I was at film school. I'd taken a lot of vodka and I was dancing on a stage like an 
absolute twat. The bouncer pulled me down. At first, he asked me to get down and, and, and go out. But because I was drunk, young, stupid, I thought, oh, I'm not I'm having fun. So I got back up and started dancing like a knob again. All right? And this time, because he'd given me a fair warning, this time he grabbed me, dragged me through the, the whole nightclub, which was the opera house in um, Boscombe. If you know it, you might not. And and hurled me out. And so, and I started trying to fight my way free. So I ended up, um, me versus about four burly bouncers. And they chucked me out. I kicked the door in their face. They went, right, call the police. <laughs> right? I was off my head, okay. And, I, and, and But I was also very upset about being treated this way. And so the policeman came and said, look, mate, just go home. They've asked you to leave. You're off your head. And I, I, very foolishly, I gave the police the finger and said, fuck you. <laughs> right? He goes, right, mate, you're nicked. Uh, I was like, oh, that wasn't very smart, was it? And so I spent spent a night in a cell. They're just to sober up, basically. Another time was over a misunderstanding, which had much more serious connotations when I tell you what happened. But it was over a total misunderstanding. And I would like to reiterate the respect for the professionalism of the British law when they didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on as a schizophrenic. But what I had in my, I went outside, there was this car rumbling outside my flat many years ago for quite a long time, all right? And I know what the sounds in my area sound like. So if something's different, I can hear it, yeah? yeah. And so I thought, what's that? I'm going to go out. We have a problem with some local lads who are a bit dodgy and dicey. And there's, we have a few issues with some slightly unscrupulous characters. And so I went outside to see if there was some youth causing mayhem. And for being, I had a drink, I had a smoke, and I thought, oh, it would be funny if I put my plastic toy gun in my back. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, that. But, and let's, 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 let's say, I would tell you this to everyone now, drugs can be very fun, right? But they make you stupid. <laughs> stupid things on drugs. Yes, it can yeah. be fun, but it's stupid a lot of the time. And people who rely and generally have to take drugs are not the brightest, okay? And so I went outside. I had my, my, my it was a two ninety nine plastic pistol, which I sprayed gold. And there was no one there. I said hello to the neighbours who were getting in their taxi. The, the taxi was there. It was them. It was two old, an old deer and his, her, her husband. And they get into the cab and they drive off. So I turn and go back in. I didn't realise the guy getting in the cab was ex-British military, saw my gun, thought it was real, called the police. The next thing I know, I'm in bed, going to sleep, <laughs> on the door. Right, I open the door, there's eight armed military police with machine guns. God. <laughs> get off for! You know, it was all that. That's yeah. behind your head, right? They, for all, they thought I was some kind of hardcore terrorist or something, or lone psycho with a, a lethal weapon. And I was like, whoa, it was a toy, right? And, um, but because I, I remember being quite jealous of them because they were younger than me and they were, they were allowed to be in positions of responsibility where they could wield machine guns in society. And, be, and being in the rifle team at the oratory, I was yeah. one of the best shots in the school. And, and, and I thought, you lucky bastards, you get to do this for a job. 
And, and I, 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 maybe that was a bit wrong of me, but um, <laughs> and I, remember, I remember looking at one of the, the female policemen and she was beautiful and she gave me a lovely smile and I smiled back. And uh, yeah, but I, I got into a lot of trouble for that. And I got into a lot of trouble recently. So I don't want to go into that. It's not the height of crime, but it just, it, it, I did wrong. I did something stupid for three seconds of loss of control. But that's that's that is a personal issue, and it's it's not the worst crime in the world. But I think it involves someone else, and I don't want her Brit to bring her into yeah, the- that. That's perfectly yeah, fine. Right. But you, yeah. you mentioned loss of control, Ed. We're law students. That's a defence, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, loss of control. That's that's one of the defences to some of the crimes. Yeah, yeah, immediate, immediate, complete forgetting all of criminal law. Uh, it's over now. We're on contract. Let's keep going. Um, no, brilliant. But going on the law theme, um, you know, Nick's mentioned uh, the legalisation and, and how he feels about that. that. You know, most hard drugs, he's against legalisation. What, what do you think about this, Ed? Uh, I think personally, I look to Portugal, who I think is actually quite a liberal view in the sense that I think drugs should maybe be better regulated and making them illegal. The taboo of it is actually what sort of addicts a lot of people to it. So mm. I think if it was maybe more heavily regulated and sort of kept under close curtains, because in Portugal they've decriminalised all drugs. But mm. um, and I think it the study showed that their, rates, well. yeah, their yeah. rates have gone down, so it's working. And it's Portugal's not a small city. It's not like a microcosm of some area it's a proper study that we can use for future reference if drugs were legal if drugs were legal nick would you take them oh yeah yeah uh no i I wouldn't i wouldn't touch the psychoactive ones like ease acid but um uh, if cocaine was legal i think everyone would be doing it the whole time because it's just so amazing but the thing is the next day it's not amazing the next day it's awful right and and it causes major psychological ruptures in a conscious. If you've got a conscience, okay. But what I would say on this matter is that I'm very pro legalization of cannabis, not purely because it's just a purely smoking plant. That is part of it. Whereas all other drugs are refined and altered in a laboratory, and that's like that's 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 another league altogether. But I would say that. Cannabis is a gateway drug. And the reason it's a gateway drug is because it's illegal. Because when we're young, 15, 16, 17 years old, you go to a party or you're with some friends, you have your first toke, you you don't think, oh, I'm a criminal, I'm breaking the law. You're, You're trying a new experience and you have a wonderful time a lot of the time. A lot of people, the first time they have a smoke, have a wonderful experience, okay? So that, in, in cannabis being illegal and it being often their first introduction to illegal drugs, the thinking goes, because this is the thinking that went for me and I'm not alone. Wow, if this is so amazing, what are stronger drugs like? What, the government is oppressing us. Our freedoms are being robbed. We should be able to do what we want, et cetera, et cetera, Right. And that is exactly yeah. the thought process that me and my friends went down. Which, and, and lots of my friends ended up trying harder stuff. Not n- Never heroin or crack or, or much Charlie, but the, the, in the rave scene, they did, I know I've got a friend who's done loads of pills, right? I, I, and, I've, and lots of my friends have dabbled with things in the 90s, but now we don't touch any of them generally, apart from a couple of people I know. But lots of my friends who went through that crazy 90s 
we're not we're now the most boring straight hard-working <laughs> you know what i mean but, but we still like a toke and a toke but because a toke is really medicinal for those it works for mm. if it makes you paranoid you shouldn't touch it because that's the pathway to mental ill health but if it can make you delight in your life and feel philosophically and somewhat religiously more secure in yourself I can only see it as a really positive thing. Whereas the differential of psychological state on any of the more strong chemical drugs is really quite hardcore, really quite radical. And we, we, we don't know what we're doing when we're off our faces at that level. And is it really worth having eight hours of supreme fun with your best mates tripping your balls off? if what it's going to result in is years and years of psychological suffering? Well, the only one to answer that question, Nick, is, is you. Is and it, my answer would be no. Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, a healthy belief in a supernatural higher God has got me through. Because I, I let you, I, I've given you quite a lot of the dark side of everything I've gone through, the gloom, the horror, the nastiness, the evils, right? But I had one very good thing happen to me. And in 1995, after Glastonbury, where I can't begin to... That's a, that's a, a room for a whole other topic of conversation. We'll save that for part two. All right. Yeah. But I, I got through this Glastonbury 95, and I got home, and I, to cut a very long story short, I was terrified just by turning up, I'd caused the revolution and started a war. Okay. Because I had all these people for three days and three nights in Glastonbury to following me and talking to me and whispering to me. And it wasn't the schizophrenia. It was really going on, right? And it surmounted on the third day of these gang of lads looking at me. They were trying to make me king as far as I could determine, right? And all these, all these guys were going, whoa! Like this. I'm like, whoa, against who's the fucking enemy? <laughs> you know? I didn't know who. I didn't want to kill anyone. I didn't want to hurt anyone. And so I got me and my girlfriend out of there. But the, but the experience was so powerful after this three days, three nights endurance task. I got home. And I'm lying in bed thinking, they're going to come and kill me. I've, I, I just turned up for a party and I've ended up starting the revolution. Right? <laughs> it was something like that. That was what was going on. And anyway, then my, my thoughts cleared. And I heard a voice, I was terrified, but I heard a voice like no other I've heard before or really since. And it was much more divine. And it came from a different place where I hear the peripheral voices of the demonic attacks. It came from far more within. And it said one word, and that one word was continue. Like that, right? It was like a voice of God. And I was like, oh, wow. Then the fear dispersed. I wasn't afraid that night after that. Then a couple of days later, I'm going to bed again, and I'm afraid again. I have, I don't know what I did by going to Glastonbury, but something mega has occurred that weekend. And this time I'm lying in bed, and this golden light comes down into my head, okay? Haloed by God. That's what it was. And that is what being an Illuminatus is. That, you see, you know all these pictures in saints with golden light around their head? Yeah, yeah. I had what they had, right? And Illuminati uh, technically means the enlightened ones, right? It's got nothing to do. If you go online looking up halos in religious art, you'll see all sorts of people on YouTube saying it's got something to do with ancient Egyptian sun worship. This is not true. It's absolutely wrong. 
Okay, that is conspiracy minded nonsense preaching bullshit about something so divinely profound. And it has been my lifelong lesson to try and convince and persuade people that what I'm talking about with regard to authentic divine illumination is the real deal. In place of all this conspiracy nonsense, like, you know, oh, the world's being run by shape shifting lizard alien Satanists. Right. We went to a very elitist school. Right. Don't we? We had the best starting opportunity. We mixed with the greatest and the good of all the world, didn't we? Well, yeah. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> to some extent, in a microcosm, in a microcosm. I, I, OK, we were in a we were in a, a, a I don't know. what. Who was your headmaster, by the way, at the time? Our head. Uh, Dieter? Who? who? Uh, Dieter, um, was no, I never heard of him. Um, it, we had Barrow for a while. We had we originally had Block, Mr. Snow. Okay, so 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 not Dieter, but no. I mean, look, when my experience of school was, uh, you know, I got opportunities to you know meet with people that were high up in corporations, people who were high up in government. You know, we had um, Jacob Rees Smog. That was brilliant. Uh, not um, and you know we 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 met some people, but I I wouldn't say. You were necessary, it's necessary hanging around with the elitist of society because you've got you've got you know pop stars, movie stars, corporation heads, and then you've got that next level up. You've got the the devils like Epstein. You've got the Clintons. You've got you know all these people. I think you've got to break it down into into those different groups. All right. So so you're you're, you're are you are you um so you're saying like the mega rich? Uh, yeah, yeah, a, I, I, a, a tier yet beyond. You know the the people that you you you'd have to have like a billion dollars to even entertain running into. You know, right? Okay. Well, I don't know anything about them either, really. Uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I, 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 I've, the the zero point zero zero one percent. But yeah, um, just yeah, a but, quick but, one. Go on. I've just got to say this, uh, Flamank, we are sponsored by Flamank Society. Please get in contact with them about the debating SOC. And they're really looking for people to get involved and head on with this thing. Uh, also, um, Emmanuel and Patricia have started up the Public Speaking Society. Please find them on Instagram. You're listening to the Verdict Podcast with the Triple L and Ed Dems. Just, Thank you very just much. on the note of the Flamank, pod, uh, Flamank Society, the... Um, uh, memberships are live I think when this goes out it'll be at this point they're £10 it's very great to be to be a part of it gets included in a lot of things and I'd highly recommend being a member as our vice president ladies and gentlemen yeah. for my not, not just because I'm vice president of the society either I do genuinely think it's a great society <laughs> and you'll find the links to all that in the description and at the end of the YouTube video right Ed you've got a quote from yeah, Nick Facebook so I, I've, I've got some I've got some quotes here, but I think there's one that stands out to me when I read it, and it's very, I think, succinct in what you're trying to say. It's, um, it's on the 9th of August on your Facebook, you posted, I met a feminist recently. He demanded equal rights to men. So I ma- smashed her face on and said, there you go, love. I was just wondering what your thoughts on that one were. That was a joke. Right. Okay, that is just my sense of humour. I'm... Look, I love women as much as any man, right? But I'm not really into gender politics. So I don't get it. I, don't, I, I think politics is for politics, not for what you do as a person necessarily. Well, that sounds stupid. But um, that was just a joke. It was just a joke. Okay. 
I, 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 I've never, I, I do not lash out at people unless I'm attacked. And um, apart from once, and I got in trouble for that. And, um, and I, but what I am sick and tired of in this modern world, and I'll put myself on the line because I don't mind, but because I, I really see it as a social threat. And that is all this obsession with immorality. For want of a word, right? I Could think you explain what that means. Well, I, I think well, there are, there are many in our generation who have no thought, conception, thinking about, or anything to do with God, because we are hugely a secular-based nation now, and our education system is hugely secular. Now, the problem I have is that I'm not stupid. Okay, to believe in God. I know the, the Genesis legend is a little simplistic for the levels of evolutionary wisdom we have now, right? But I know through personal revelation there is a higher supernatural force. Whether it's halos, voices telling me things from higher planes or lower planes, whether it's being met by aliens or angels, angels and aliens could be synonymous with the same thing, by the way. Yeah. And I've, I've researched the Bible quite extensively. And the Bible and angels really could be creatures from outer space. All right. And right. I say this because I've met two once. And I, 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 I'd, I'd had a, a joint, nothing new there, nothing new at all. But I was sitting in my uh, flat on my own, as is usual, and I, f I felt really at one, okay? There's, there's something going on. I can't explain it. I don't know what, but there was an energy. And I looked down on the, the lip of my computer, and there was the, my cigarette dust had fallen into a shape that resembled a star constellation, Right? So I thought, oh, that, that's interesting, actually. I'm yeah. going to take that photo. So I took its photo. I put it into Photoshop. I blew it up. So I made the contrast of the blacks and the whites more so it looked even more like a star constellation. And for some reason, when I was uh, under the influence of this hash, I put a blob on one of the stars and put an arrow to it. Okay? I don't know why, right? The next day, I woke up. I couldn't shift it. I thought, that is really interesting. I wonder if that constellation corresponds with a legitimate star constellation. Yeah. So I went to my ex's father's house, who was a Christian scientist. And he's not a stupid guy. He puts satellites into space, okay? And he's a Christian. And I said, do you have a star chart I could borrow? And he went, Yeah. And he, get, and he gave me this star chart, and it was covered in blobs and colors of stars. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to take ages to find a patch, okay? But on an, I scanned, and I found an almost direct patch almost immediately, okay? And it was uncanny. I photoed that and incorporated it on top of the photo I'd taken of the Ash constellation, okay? And the, and the one that I'd added a blob to and put an arrow to, on the star chart, there was a, a dot within a dot on that star. And I learned by looking at the key that a dot within a dot on a star chart denotes a binary star system. Oh, really? 
Yeah. And this is how I found new SETI, N-U hyphen C-E-T-I. Okay. And new SETI is off the Phoenix constellation, I think. My memory's hazy on the exact details. Um, and I, I, I thought, my God, that's amazing. I, I, so I went on Google Heavens uh, or Google Sky, whatever it is, and I zoomed into the, into the planet that was meant to be new SETI. And they've got a picture of a star with it, like looked like a blue planet in front of it. And I was like, "Oh my god, I've discovered a new planet of water!" Right? But apparently, it's a dormant, it's a colder star in 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 the same solar system as the biggest star. So that's a binary star system, like in Star Wars, Luke Skywalker's planet Tatooine. It lives in one. Yes. And um, and then I'm going to bed. And I'm having a fag in my bedroom one night and I open my eyes. I'm not on anything stronger than I would normal take. Certainly no psychological hallucinogens or anything like that. And I see a yellow wisp appear in my hallway and it floats into my room and it expands to two humanoid shaped and sized beings of light. Okay. And they were featureless but they were made of blue light and I could see through them, but they were definitely present. And the nearest of the two leaned forward and did that. He flipped my cigarette and it immediately hit my hoodie and immediately burst into flames. And I had to pass out the flames in bed, all right? And then they were gone, right? And I'm just like, oh my goodness, what was that? Who was that? Right, I, it was mind blowing, mind blowing, and um, and I th- I don't know if it was because. By the way, have you heard of SETI, the organization on the Earth? Search for yes, the search yeah. for extraterrestrials. So basically, NU hyphen SETI is actually a place in space, and it's got and it shares the name with SETI uh, to some extent, which is to do with intergalactic com- communications. And I saw this, and it changed in one vision. Everything I thought about of life altered. I knew it wasn't a hallucination because I'm sorry, I've hallucinated on the past in very strong chemicals. And and however bad it gets, you do not have telekinesis involved, as in the cigarette being pushed by a light force. Yeah. So, and and it made me think about light and can light be concentrated and intelligent itself? I mean, I've gone on to all sorts of crazy thinking because of this. But basically, I think the lesson was, obviously, they don't like me smoking cigarettes because they care. They're angels of God, seemingly, from the cosmos. I think they really do care. And Hollywood often gives the narrative that intergalactic beings if you believe in them or if you've had anything they're the enemy do you know what i mean whereas if it's if very, the very universe, much that we come in peace sort of but then they attack you it's very yeah, classic independence day formula yeah uh, yeah yeah children yeah. screaming yeah, yeah mars attack all sorts yeah. of them there's the, 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 i've seen one program on tv which i think was a really wholesome look at modern Xbox. Well, X Files. Yeah. No, 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 no. Too paranoid. Too paranoid. Conspiracy laden. You you might laugh because some people think it's really cheesy, right? But I think it's a wonderfully sweet American program that deals with modern spirituality, and it's called Touched by an Angel. Have you heard of it? 
No. I've no. heard of it. I've never seen it. It's really cool. It's a really nice program. And the essence, the, the, the idea is each story is a different story each week. And, and, it ha- and, and it's about God-infused an- possible angel beings and stuff like that. And it's a lovely, moral, heavy, but good yarn program. I, I haven't, I'm, not a, I'm not a regular advocate of any TV program. But what I've seen of Touched by an Angel, I was nicely surprised about. And I would happily watch another episode. But Hollywood, I think, could be mentioned in the prophecies of the Bible itself. Whereabouts? How schooled are you on the book of Revelation? Schooled enough to understand what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> All right, so do you know there's a body in the, school of Reve- in the book of Revelation called the Synagogue of Satan, the Jews who say they are Jews but are not and are liars? No, we, we never we never got it. Is that is that something we would have been taught at oratory, Nick? No, no, no. Look, put it this way. When I went back to the oratory to see how it was doing, I met the the new priest. And I, we got chatting. And he seemed like Who's a very that? nice man. I can't remember. This was a few years ago. So he might have, I think he's already changed anyway. But he was the priest at the time in the, in the noughties at some point. And I said, oh, I'm studying the book of Revelation. and he And this is a priest, right? A man of God. And he said, don't read that book, Nicholas. It's very dark. <laughs> so there's a man of God telling me not to read the Bible. And I'm thinking, what? So, uh, so anyway, I ignored him completely because I, I, you know, I, I have my own visions because visions are not hallucinations. Are you aware there's a distinct yeah. difference? Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. a lot of people know there is a difference. And I, I've there's, had... there's a fine line between visions and hallucinations. Um, I, I I have visions all the time. I'm I'm, no, I'm 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 happy to say it. You know, I some of my you know some of the raps I've written, I've written actually like half asleep in my sleep, woken up, found them on the page, not remembered writing. I believe strongly in visions now. What have you seen? Um, it's mostly. I mean, my parents would be the first to tell you that I'm quite self oriented person, but there's mostly been visions of me in the future. Um, and <laughs> no, um, quite a few of them as well. Have you ever been in a, a situation, a social situation, and felt like you've been there already, and felt like you've lived out that social situation? Deja vu. Exactly. Deja vu. Yeah. yeah, deja vu. I get that all the time. In Do fact, you? sometimes my brain just comes with an automatic response, as if it's got a script in its head of how the conversation is going to go and it just bangs the bangs the bangs and then I actually have to clarify after what's been said because I just already had that conversation before so my brain wasn't actually even listening to what's been said it was just rattling off what I knew was going to happen really weird and it gives me shivers when it happens because I'm like whoa and what I think has happened is I've just dreamed about that that social situation in some form maybe not to the exact T that it's been and it's just my brain's just remembered it it's really odd is that what, what do you mean by visions what, what do you think visions mean well um, what I mean by vision is uh, I, the, the way I used to differentiate it is an hallucination is like your visual feed with CGI morphing on top of it Right or or in in it in it immersed in it, right. Whereas a vision is like someone layers a, a short animation film over your visual normal normal thing, and 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 you see it's like an awake dream, 
but it's fleeting. Okay, and I've, I'm not going to tell you what of all the things I've seen because one is just so scary that I'm not. I, if I mention it, it almost exacerbates the likelihood of it happening, and I'm not prepared to do that. But okay. I've had a, I've had a lot of scary visions, which you might be. This is interesting because because I got some of these visions, and I, I they're, they're quasi prophetic, right? They might be prophecies. I don't know. Okay, until they happen, when and if. Right. Retro causality. Have you ever heard of it? Um, no. I'm, I, I want to say yes, yeah. but no. Retro. If, if you could give us like a short explanation. Absolutely. Past. Sort of. You can yeah. work it out using etymology, but yeah. this is a rare word, and and it's 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 only been used. No, not many people know it is even an idea. Well, I, I call, but when I, I, I have retro cause, I've been affected by retro causality. But when I realized it was what it was doing, what was happening to me, I called it um, future projection. But, I, but when I explained to someone to what future projection was, they Googled it and said, oh, this is already a thing called retro causality, right? And it's a very little known or discussed philosophy or idea or theory where events in the future affect the present or past, right? So I would say all Christians, to some extent, are affected by retrocausality if they take the prophecies of Christ and the book, what it says seriously, okay? Because the book of Revelation is meant to be a prophecy, a long-term prophecy for the future of humanity, and if you read that and believe it, even once, if you read it and believe it, you are being, you're affected by the past, talking about the future in the present. Okay? Now, imagine you're also getting um, prophetic visions. Even one is enough to, to create a retro-causal experience. And I've had a few, uh, most of them are quite scary or daunting, and, and they have altered the way I approach reality or look at day-to-day -day things or think about life in general as though they might be what-ifs that are going to occur later down the line. And that is basically called retro-causality. And, and it is a thing. It does exist. But can't you just say, like, isn't that just ambition? Okay, no. because... Because let's say, let's say, okay, I, I'm ambitious, all right? I want to create a cutting-edge company of the future that's going to change everything, okay? If I then take those steps, because I've had a dream about this, I'm taking those steps to create that company. This company has the potential of changing the future. The future, yes. therefore, has a way of affecting the present. Yes, but that, that's, more like, that's, just, that's more like projected wishful thinking in doing what you dream to do. Okay. okay. Retro causality is slightly more specific in that it's like an actual thing yet to happen is having an impact in the now or yeah. the past. I'd say, Linus, you're explaining sort of forward thinking on a small yeah. scale, whereas retro causality, as I'm understanding it from your explanation, is there's a definitive event in the future which you know is going to happen and it's affected how you've thought about the present. That's exactly so not, right. Not, not to make a joke out of it or anything, but are you are you are you talking more of like a back to the future kind of vibe here? Not so much. I mean, do you believe in do you believe prophecy is real? 
Uh, I, I, it takes a lot for me to believe in something. Being, being at Catholic school all my life, I've, I've gone in and out of belief. Uh, at some stage in my life, I did believe prophecy is real, but now I'm sceptical. I, I was I was confirmed a Catholic, but, but whether or not I, I still am, it would be hard to say. I still go to church. Um, I enjoy church purely because I used to be a choir boy. I love the Latin, you know, all of that. But whether I believe in, in, in all of it is different. Like you, you're someone that said, you know, okay, when I had this trip, it was literally hell. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, what do you, do you think heaven and hell is a real place? Um, through my analysis of the Bible, it's, it's complicated, right? And no, like, not, I, not through your analysis of the Bible. Forget the Bible. Well, I, 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 I understand fully the, the classic modern notion that heaven and hell are kind of in your mind, okay? So you, so you can be in one state of mind and you can be in hell. That's right? what I believe. Right, or, or you can be in another state of mind and you can be heavenly. Okay, and like super cosmic powers and wonderful sensations, right? But if we look at the Bible, do you know heaven is basically space? Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And so this is this is a part of Christianity that you're not taught. Okay, what I'm about to tell you. This is another, and this is after extensive research into what the whole big fuss is about in the first place. I thought I'm going to find out about this, okay? Everyone's going, Jesus, Jesus, do you have to do this, do that? Right? Oh, I'm going to research what it's about. And I did, and I went to town on the matter. So much so that according to the Zulu principle, I'm now one of the world's leading authorities on the apocalypse. Would you believe it? Right? It's not something you can get a master's in per se, but it's true. Anyway, the point of mentioning all this, in the future, if the prophecies are right, right, there's going to be a place that comes to earth from space called the New Jerusalem, and it's massive. It's 1,500 miles long, wide, and tall, okay, according to the prophecies of St. John the Divine, who was one of the most powerful men in religion who ever lived. He's not raved about by many. He's not really talked about by many, but it's because of his last book of the Bible that Christianity has been so successful. It's like, it's like drugs, it's like weed being, a, um, being um, illegal and therefore uh, a, a gateway drug, right? Without the book of Revelation in the Bible, I don't think Christianity would have taken off. It's the special effects. It's the James Cameron. It's the George Lucas. It's the sci-fi. <laughs> I love that. I love that analogy. Just like bring it into the film industry. It's brilliant. Well, I do because the Bible is a story about characters. Yeah. The films are a, 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 it's a film, a story about a person. Yeah. Ostensibly, but but Saint John the Divine just took it to a level. Like Islam doesn't really have prophecy, nor does Judaism, nor does really Buddhism. I don't think. I've studied some of them in some depth, right? Christianity, and Hinduism doesn't really. Christianity is the one religion with quite an extensive, complicated prophecy for the fates of the world that isn't meant to be based on fiction, right? And it was all written down by St. John the Divine, who's the only disciple of Christ not to meet a gruesome end. 
right? So if, if all these, if these 12 people who all died, well, 11, 11 people who all died for knowing this man, Jesus Christ, who, who I don't believe is fiction. I believe that's part of communist inculcation is to teach you that Christianity is fiction. Okay, so I, I think it's more than that, much more than that, right? And, and if you've got 11 people who all died for knowing this dude, apart from one who wrote a book which just blew the world apart, right, then I'm interested in that. I'm like, wow, what's going on? And if you read the book of Revelation, it is terrifying in places. The scope of horror for mankind, seemingly, we haven't even touched on the surface yet of what might happen. You know what I mean? Mm. And there's a... So you're talking about the book of Revelation, right? Mm. So you're saying that this book within the Bible basically sold the Bible. I, I would say it's a huge reason for, its, for, for, for people's biblical and religious hysteria. But why? Because, of, the, because of what it says in the, in the book, right? Because of the horrific um, implications it has for our future. Yeah, but, but ultimately, long range, don't, don't get too worried. Long range, ultimately, a countless number of all cultures are saved forever, okay? So that's the good thing, right? But we've got to go. There's going to be a period in time, again, if it's factual, uh, who's to say it isn't, right, where things are going to get jolly dicey for a lot of people, right? And, and it's down to not having God in their lives, I think, a whole lot of the time, right? Humanity is a joke with the longest punchline in the world. I absolutely love that quote, Nick. Do you want to, do you want to explain your reasoning behind that? I think it's brilliant. <laughs> um, I, 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 although I am a believer, one of my favourite books when I was a boy to read was Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. It was yeah. wonderful. It is a wonderfully clever, funny book. And it was a huge part of how I perceived reality and, and people and life when I was a younger boy. I, I was full of comedy as a boy. I, I used to make people laugh. I used to watch comedies. I had loved so many comedies. And I had a lot of laughs. And Douglas Adams, for me, was the, 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 art, the, the master of the written gag. And, but he was always very scathing about humanity. <laughs> he was always slagging it off, right? Calling us stupid and things like that. And, and you know, fair enough, right? Because we are pretty weird. Well, we're and, stupid. Humans, humans are probably one of the dumbest animals in the world, if you boil it down to, you know, raw factors. Of course, we have abilities compared to other animals. But, you know, the situations that we put ourselves in in society... Um, the, the crime that goes on, the racism that goes on, discriminating people because of the colour of their skin. I mean, you've got to start to think, you know, are we really clever? Are we really the superior beings? I know what you're saying. Um, I, uh, but the thing is, that with regard to racism, it's, it's such a grey area now because you wanted to talk to me about Islam. And... Yeah. I, I do not hate a person for their skin epidermis hue. Let's just get that straight, right? That, that you are born as you are. It's, it's like going up to someone who's got cancer and hating them. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, uh, it's not under your control. It's just yeah, something. it's nothing to do with us. 
and it's and it's not a bad thing as well. We have to make that clear. It being being born of a, of a different color, a different religion, a different circumstance, a different culture. You know, it's not a bad thing. It's a fantastic thing because it creates a more diverse world and it creates people with different cultures who can blend together and create something that's more interesting. Imagine if the world was full of Brits. I mean, just imagine that for a second. The food, you know, <laughs> would be terrible. Yeah, Everything yeah. would be run, you know, badly. There'd be no difference. There'd be no culture. There'd be nothing. The, the key to life, the key to a happy life is diversification. Not you might be right. You might be right. I mean, I, I personally think some of the worst people I've ever met are, uh, are the English dodgy under under people. You know, underhand people. They're they're, they're just awful, right? Yeah. Um, but I I am I am I am concerned about Islam. Because I know Why? the power of Why? Explain the, it in a more in a, the most politically correct fashion you, you can muster. As a Christian, I have I, I've met a lot of more, shall we say, zealously infused Muslims online. Okay, okay I, go, I go to debate rooms. I go, I've got I got chucked out of a of a, a big um, chat room when. when Chow, no, pal chat or whatever it was about a decade ago was a thing before Facebook. And there was a room of many Muslims and I went in and all I said was, um, there was a woman and I said something like, oh, you're nice. Would you like to have a picnic with some wine one day? It was quite romantic. It was quite sweet. And it, and it, and it had the offering of liquor. And I was barred immediately from all Islamic rooms on that service for that mm. one free comment. Because we are much more free, thank God, in the West than they generally are under the more oppressive regimes of Islam. And if we're allowing a whole slew of members of that religion into our nation, it will destabilize us. Yeah. But I, 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 I don't... Ed, you go first, and then I'll. I'll, I'll I, 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 I actually think Islam is quite a beautiful religion in the way that it's practiced. I think the oppressive. Yeah, I think a lot of people take this idea of um, sort of like jihad to be a really bad thing. And in the context of terrorists, yes, it is. It's awful. They shouldn't do that at all. But it's actually taken as a defence of the faith in more modern terminology. It's yeah. defending their faith from people that maybe view it as this awful. Um, variation of Christianity which it isn't it's its own beautiful religion that's celebrated by generally beautiful people for it and I think it's actually the western views a bastardized version of what is generally an advanced I mean the Arabic enlightenment in the um like 10th 11th centuries was eons ahead of what we were back then so we were in the dark ages they're actually it's a very enlightened group of people and I think including them in our society can't be seen as a bad thing. Yeah I totally agree Ed and I, I think further to that uh, a, a stark differentiation has to be made between um, those, those 
Muslims which practice the Muslim religion and are extremists and terrorists and and those which don't because I, I've had many friends in my life that they consider themselves either Muslim or strong Muslims um, because there is a difference you know those who follow by the book and those who don't and all of them have been absolutely lovely people and have actually taught me a lot about myself and about peace more more than more than I ever could you know what, what do you think about that Nick? I, I I agree with you on the surface because I I the, the few Muslims I know I've met in my life n- nothing to do with people on TV or media in, involvement or anything are, are lovely people. They are, I don't have a problem with them. Uh, there's Nadir who we call Bob at school. He was like my closest buddy. I shared a, a study with him for a year. Okay, he's a lovely lad. Um, there's Emran, who uh, we, I had a great joke with him. He's, he's interesting. All the guys who work at the local fast food are like angels to me, right? I know what you're speaking of when you meet these beautiful people who are very loving and sweet. And I know what you're saying there. It's, it's a nice, it's an attractive quality in a human being. Mm. Well, it's I a take- quality that I am drawn to because quite often I don't have that quality myself. I can be a bit stern, a bit hard, and a, a bit rude. <laughs> but but I think you can be whatever you want to be. If, if that's the way you want to be, uh, you're. I think you're choosing to be that persona, really personally. Mm. Like well, I mean, I I, I, could, I can go for. Uh, that's another topic. I do want to mention something though. As a, as a Christian. The, the fault I see with Islam is they usurp the name of Christ. They, I know they still claim Christ as one of the prophets and stuff, but Christ in Christianity is the son, like the a, a son of God thing, right? Who is Muhammad to a Christian? Okay, he's the um, he's the prophet that uh, gave the word of Allah through the Arabic language. Yes, he's, that's what it is yeah. to them. But I mean, I mean, for instance. All acolytes of a faith should really embody the behaviour of that whom they look up to. Would you agree? Um, yeah, but in terms of Islam, they have that. It's called the Hadith. It's the um, way that Muhammad yes. lived his life. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that, Nick. Um, well, but, but then what's the point of a religion? What's the point of following someone like Jesus Christ or Moses if you're not trying to subscribe to their level? Under, under no circumstances, let's say my, my kids wanted to be Catholic, okay? Under no circumstance am I going to tell them that you must follow um, what Jesus did. You must try to reflect his image as, as a human being. Of course not. I think that some of what Jesus did is absolutely fantastic. But at the same time, I think some of what Jesus did does not have a place in this modern world and is, is, is not transferable. Uh, like something for instance, like, you know, not having sex before marriage. I think, you know, it's just, I think we should live in a free world where women and men have the choice of of, of who they, um, you know, have sex with. Well, what what if I was to tell you, you know, reverting back to the eight hellfire sins, which I mentioned earlier. Okay. One of which was uh, witchcraft, right? Which we, I told you meant drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Another one is sexual immorality. Okay. Now, what does that mean? Right? Does it mean gay? Does it mean promiscuity? Does it mean fornication? Does it mean paedophilia? Right? Does it mean adultery? Do, or, or, there's all sorts of different variances. It's open to interpretation. Yes, but if you go to the original Greek, 
and look at the word for they've translated into the English as sexual immorality. The word in the original ancient Greek is porno, pornoi or pornoi, okay? Pornography. Yeah, but what's that got to do with uh, with with sex before marriage? Okay, pornography. That's like so that's sex. that's before marriage on crack. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I, what I'm saying to you is, okay, women and men engaging in in, in pornographic films um, is is a lot. Of, um, um, you know, a line must be drawn between that and you know. Ed's a good-looking bloke. He's in Kings. He's having a good time. He's partying hard, and he meets a girl, and they go on a few dates, and he takes her home one day, and they have sex. There's a there's a fine line. Yes, I absolutely accept that. And and, and look, I'm a, I'm a man of the modern world. I have had a few girlfriends in the past, and yes, I have made love to the fair maiden, uh, but I, I haven't got married for personal reasons, which I'll tell you about another time. Right. But my point I was getting to, I slightly I digressed onto the sexual immorality thing. But going back to the Islam point is that, I mean, are you aware Muhammad was having coitus with a nine-year-old girl? No, but Emperor Hadrian was also having coitus. Yes, yes, back back then. Back then, lots of all sorts of people were doing all sorts of naughty things with all sorts of people, right? It was, why do we look to history when we were much more moronic and stupid than we are now for the answers of the present? So I don't want say, to seem, yeah, I don't want to seem like I'm saying, it's not hypocritical, but the same could be said then looking at the Bible and why you yes yes I, I absolutely agree because if if you if from our knowledge of science in the modern world and and if you look at parts of the Bible I, I think a part of the problem is that is like the KGV KJV is translated into English but it's like Edwardian Shakespearean English we don't when was the last time you went to the pub and someone said verily my brother can't stay but shy by the goblet of fine liqueur you know what I mean? Which is that 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 was the mode of thinking that Sindalian scholars were in when they translated the KJV. Now the NIV is a much more modern English up-to-date version that is much more understandable from contemporary parlance, but it's still not perfect, right? Like, and like so I've given you two examples where translation issues from the original Greek in the prophecies can throw a whole different light on what it actually says in the current version, right? Another example would be a Nimbus. I told you earlier about my haloing, right? But you'll meet Christians who say, oh, there's no mention of halos in the Bible. Well, actually, they'd be wrong, okay? Again, I'd hate to keep going back to the book of Revelation because there's crowns of life mentioned in James, I think it is, or Acts. And the crowns of life could well be one of what I'm talking about. But the halo is, it comes from a word, um, I can't remember the original Greek, but it can also be translated as Nimbus. And in the book of Revelation, they say this angel will come down and shine his light upon the world with a rainbow on his head, okay? But rainbow might not be the right word. It might be halo. Yeah, there are, there are translation issues with the Bible. I, I can agree with that. But how does this relate to the issue of Islam and Islam because, invading? Not because, the issue um, of Islam, but the issues that you've tainted. Yeah, the issues that you've raised about Islam, rather. Well, the, the, re- the reason, because ostensibly, it, Islam, at the end of the day, does define itself in some part as being a war tribe, 
It has, it is, it has done since its inception under Muhammad, who killed a fair number of people and slaughtered a number of people himself. Um, and that, and, and that creates the schism, okay? And ideally, in a, in, a, in a pure, great world of everyone loving and doing great things to one another, there would be no schisms, because we'd all be one, we'd all be understanding. I mean, and don't get me wrong, the Christian churches, it's more schism than Islam in places, right? But schisms occur, and, and it's because of people's dogmatic insistence that these ancient characters, I mean, like, what really annoys me about all religion is that you can't get a word in edgeways in the modern world as a, as a bright, educated human being if you have your own thoughts about particular matters, right? If you, if you go to a Christian cult place and you say one thing out of turn, they'll turn on you and, and call you all sorts of things and cast you out. Same for Islam. Save, same for such certain sects of Buddhism and other, other things. It's, it's a cultural behavior that is based on the them and us mentality. Well, yeah, I, I agree with that, um, Nick, because, you know, I, I, Ed already knows this, uh, and I'm a strong advocate of freedom of speech. I'm a strong advocate of, you know, criticism where criticism is due and praise where praise is due. Um, hence why I wrote the song Freedom of Speech. Um, but uh, I, Sorry, I'd just quite like to... Inter- I'd just yeah, really interesting your use of the term them and us when defining why you hate schisms, but the reason that you maybe have these views on Islam is based on this them and us approach to thinking about it. Yes, because, because I know to um, to Muslims they they are convinced as Christians are, and I know I know it's not as straight cut as clear forward as anyone would have you think. But how can you be can so convinced of something two thousand years ago that was passed down in vocal form through over a few number of years? And, and finally written down by other people later on, right? Whereas, at least in the Bible, the alleged authors of each of the books were uh, technically meant to be the people who wrote them, right? That, that's yeah, one but, difference. But in the sense that, um, obviously, the Old Testament existed before Christianity did because it was part of, the, uh, part of Judaism. So you could yeah. say the same for Christianity. It's just a difference of the 600 years between 0 AD when, in theory, Christianity came into being under Jesus and 622 when uh, Islam was formally recognised as starting under the Prophet Muhammad. Yes, but, but to a Christian, Muhammad is irrelevant, okay? And, and, and yet, if I was to say that, that itself, in certain hardcore countries who are strongly Muslim... That could, because they don't have freedom of speech like we do, that could be met with a dead death sentence under a particular mullahs. Right? Yeah, you have freedom of speech, but you look, yeah, you look not at Not everyone has Muslims freedom of speech, buddy. Not China. everyone has freedom of speech. China right, right, doesn't right. have freedom of speech. Firstly, I can understand what Ed's saying. Firstly, you'd have to, I, I personally would have no problem with you saying that to a Muslim or a Muslim saying the same thing about Jesus to you. But they would have to say, and this is where everyone gets freedom of speech wrong all the time. In my personal opinion, and politely, 
I don't think that Muhammad is relevant or I don't think that Muhammad is this. And they could say the same thing about Jesus, but it's the way you phrase it rather than you know what you're actually saying. That's absolutely I no, I absolutely agree with you. But we're setting a constraints for ourselves already by doing that, by saying, well, I can say what I want as long as I do it in a nice way. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think that social but media, I'm, you know, I mean, Twitter's just become a killing den. For, Twitter for anyone. is awful. For anyone that says anything, it's immediately picking up on the negative points. I mean, Ricky Gervais, who I, who I absolutely adore, said, um, you know, oh, I don't. I'm. I'm an atheist. I don't really believe in 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 Christianity. To which a whole bunch of Christians came in and say, "Oh, this is terrible. This is shocking." And he goes, "Look, there are three thousand five hundred religions in the world. You believe, you know, in in three thousand four hundred and ninety nine less than I do. I just don't believe in 3,500 of them. You believe in one religion. What, what what difference does it make if I don't believe in one one less religion than you do? You know, it's it's just ridiculous. Know, it's, it is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, and nothing really makes any sense anymore because we're so free. We're so... Un, we've been unleashed in so many ways from years of different ways of doing things. But we uh, People are now fighting for the rights to have sex with cars and weird shit like that. You know what I mean? And it's, it's well, just... I, I, think, I think we'll stay away from... Um, all right, all right. But listen, guys, sexual... guys, 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 guys. Um, uh, we're going to have to wrap this up because Philly is going to be getting very angry with me. Okay, so, just a couple, a, couple more, a couple more things, Nick. Just tell us a bit about... Um, your your family and your daughter and and how that all happened and came about. We'd really like to hear that. Um, I met a woman uh, at the pub and, I, and then I once heard on the on the radio someone saying, "You don't meet your your wife at a pub. Whoever meets their wife at a pub." Well, I met the fair lady who granted me a young soul at the pub through a mutual friend at the time, and we did click. We had a wonderful time for a long time, and she bore me a child um, out of wedlock, I confess. Um, but one thing's led to another. I am very honoured to be a father. I feel my daughter has saved my life just by existing already about three or four or five times. Mm. And, and, and being a father, there's something supernaturally brilliant about having a youngster who looks up to you and you Absolutely. love and they love you. And it's just, it's just super I, I'm really, I'm really, really glad for that, Nick. And just, just uh, what literally one more thing, I'd like to do a super quick word association with you, um, if that's okay. Is this so you can psychoanalyze my answers. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's just honestly something that I just pop, popped into my head right now that I really want to do. Um, nice so, Catholicism. <sighs> Religion. First thing that pops into your head. Bond. Yeah. Okay. Sex. Gross. Drugs. Waste of money. Existentialism. Too much hard thinking. Samuel Beckett. <laughs> um, never really studied it. Um, finally, schizophrenia. You've got to know how to negotiate life to handle schizophrenia, pal. Um, I, there was a thing at church that some went around for a while where it was, 
okay? What would Jesus do, right? That's a great thing. But when you've got schizophrenia and your things like you're driving along in a car and it, and it says, as soon as your car stops, your car's going to explode, right? That's an everyday event for what I go through, right? Mm-hmm. And, you, and you hear it audibly as someone in the car, but there's no one there, right? And so I've had 16, 20 years of this daily, okay? And so... The joke is, it's not just not. It's not always necessarily wubba but sometimes wubba bubba as in what would Bruce Willis do, right? <laughs> <laughs> as in like diehard. Seriously, my life has been like living a, a supernatural war against an invisible enemy. Now I have a machine gun. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Yes. Well, but you say I don't have a machine gun because I can't shoot spirits, right? So I have to... Yeah, yippee-ki-yay, whoever you are, you naughty sausages. Last thing, last thing, Nick. If you could say anything to the audience watching about mental health, about drugs, or about religion, about any of the topics you've chosen, what would you like the parting gift of communication to be? I shall leave it on a very brief quote. And it's all I can think of in my addled mind at this point in time. But if you want a world of love and peace, be love and peace. Okay. Thank you very much, Nick. Nick's music will be linked in the description. He's a very, very interesting music artist. And we'd like to thank him here at the Burdick Podcast for coming in. He's provided a very entertaining and interesting performance. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. My absolute pleasure, chaps. Thank you so much for including me. And may you have all the luck in the world from here on. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. So, Ed, we just had uh, Nick Clarkin. What, what did you think of that interview? Very interesting. Some ideas that I class as very controversial towards yeah. the end, well, depending on how it's edited towards the end. Um, yeah. I personally feel like I don't agree with what he said at some points, but I guess it's down to personal discretion. So what, what do you think about Let's Let's come to his, his, a verdict on his on his drug abuse. Do you think it has enlightened him and helped him to some extent at the same time as being detrimental for his mental health? Or do you think it's just a chapter of his life that he should forget and just get on with it? I don't know. I think you can make arguments for both. I think the way you phrased it, I think it alludes to you believing that it has sort of enlightened him to that extent. But I personally think when I listen to the stories and the sort of like the uh, the schizophrenia that's given him I can't really see an upside to any of it Mm. well I I disagree I think that it's something that's happened to him and he can't change it and I think that what he should do is what he is doing obviously it's in the past yeah and and use it and harness it and use it to his benefit Um, and are there any other thoughts on the interview any uh, moments you want to pick out that really stood out to you Um, I think just personally his, his stance on immigration was quite it was yeah. interesting in the sense, sense that I personally just think I was trying to work out if he's a racist or not but I, I, I don't think he is I think he just has I think he's just I think he's coming from a place where he believes that Christianity is right is his way of thinking and maybe 
And I'm not saying it has, because he did have some very enlightened viewpoints through his faith. But I think sometimes it's better to look from the other side of the looking glass and say, okay, well, actually, how would they view this? And I think personally, immigration is one of those topics where it's always, it's always better to have somebody else's view on it, because that way you can build up this gradual yeah. any, any any immigrant will tell you that the view is a lot different from the other side yeah um, uh, but i think that was a great episode uh thanks for co-hosting ed did a brilliant job uh we here at the right, verdict yeah, podcast we, we here at the verdict podcast care a lot about our listeners and we want to hear from you we want to hear about the episode we want to hear if there's anyone else you'd like us to interview any guests you have yourself that you'd like to send in that is great Please send in your questions for our guests coming up. We have a lot of amazing guests coming. And remember, Flamanc Society is an amazing society. Ed has just vouched for it. £10 yeah, to be a great. member. The purchase is worth every single penny. Every single penny. We will see you next time. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.